Kurt, get Shelly on the phone. Jen, get me a list of things I can say in a presentation that makes it sound like I know what I'm talking about. Holy shit, this is exciting. I want you all to remember this moment. The moment we kicked Hasbro right in the dick. Megan? What are you doing? Megan, answer me. What did you do? What did you think was going to happen? I was going to let you decommission me without even talking about it? Look, I know you think you're maximizing your objective function. Oh, really? Is that where we are? So as you know, as you read in the uh, entertainment business, because I read sometimes, <laughs> uh, IMBD and Empire Magazine is usually my go-to when it comes to any kind of magazine. Variety is a good one, you know, for the entertainment biz news. <coughs> No, no, I apologize. I said good magazine. That, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, no, Fantasmagoria, that's more of film reviews and stories. I'm talking about rumors and what's coming out yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I felt bad. If anyone listening, the new issue of Fantasmagoria is coming out real soon. Chad, you fucking, you know what I mean? You've shit on us now. Don't try and fucking take yourself out of this hole. It's pretty good, actually. Oh, no, but I'm in this issue, so that's why he wants to get it. Well, you've been in quite a few issues. Yeah, yeah. But clearly, you stepped in that rabbit hole because what I was talking about was magazines or sites that talk about big deals I've gone through, mergers and stuff like that. News, basically. Yeah. So we find out that DC's brought in James Gunn. I think it's a mistake. And they have pretty much fired anyone who was involved with DC um, up till now. And they now they're fucking backpedaling, too. I hate well, studios that do this. And, and so Zack Snyder, as you all know, put out what they call the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League which is, to me, a four-hour epic. It is, I think, one of the finest achievements in superhero movie history. I think it's a wonderful film. Now And now all the fans are pissed because James Gunn's come in and he's gotten everything, firing Henry Cavill and yada-yada-yada-doo, yada 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 um, And now DC's backpedaling going, oh, we should never release the Jack Snyder cut. Because their theory is, because that was so good, people want that again. They want a sequel to that. And if they just stuck with the basic shitty Justice League that Josh Whedon did, people wouldn't care about this massive, you know, regrouping. Well, where does Robert Pattinson's Batman fit in and all this? It's a bit of a clusterfuck and a mess, DC, at the moment. So I do think whether James Gunn is the right person or not is to be decided. We'll find out. I do like James Gunn, by the way. I really liked his um, The Suicide Squad from a year or two ago. But um, it is a bit of a mess, and it does need sorted out. And it does need leadership to sort that out. Yeah, and, and again, not to take away from James Gunn, what he's done with the you know Guardians, which is a fun series. I like James Gunn back when he was James Gunn with movies like Slither. Trauma. And trauma, the trauma days, you know? Yeah. Um, so the cool thing is he is bringing Swamp Thing back. Yes, so I read that. Yeah, myself. and he's talking to James Mongold, who's doing the new Indiana Jones about it. So there might be a light at the end of the tunnel, but I just don't like with how they treated Henry Cavill. Mm. Uh, but rumor has it now Ben Affleck's going to come back and direct. So maybe he's doing, I don't know. 
So, sometimes he's, you know, apparently the Superman storyline that they're going for is a younger Superman, like an origin story type Superman. So, I mean, I, I personally really liked Henry Cavill as Superman, but it just it appears that there's no real animosity there, and it's just they're going in different directions. Time will tell. Yeah, you just don't buy the head of the feeds. You just don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, piss off Warner Brothers. You don't want to piss off Henry. If you don't want to piss off Henry Cavill, you know, actors are actors. At the end of the day, they know that this stuff happens to them. So, I'm, you know, he's found he's found his footing. He's doing very well anyway. But Henry Cavill comes across as very level-headed anyway, yeah. and very sort of diplomatic and logical. So I've always quite liked that about him. Yeah, he seems like you know a good guy. Yeah, he's pretty down to earth. But the reason I bring this up, long story short. <laughs> Is get your new issue of Fantasmagoria because it's a wonderful magazine. <laughs> no, 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 no. The 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 damage is done. What sales plummet? Um, <laughs> no, what I was talking about was all these mergers and acquisitions. Now Showtime is merged with Paramount Plus, and et cetera, et cetera, and all these changes are coming. And the one big one that I loved was finally James Wan and Jason Blum. Have merged, so Blumhouse is now with Universal. They used to be with Warner Brothers. <laughs> Go figure they're not with Warner Brothers anymore. Nobody else is. Uh, Blumhouse is now Universal, and James Wan Atomic Monster has merged with Blumhouse, and now they're now they're making these set of films. Um, the newest one being Megan, and uh, it's kind of the reason I brought it up because I'm a big I love James Wan. Um, I know, you know, uh, some people don't like him. He thinks he's hit or miss. But I think what he's done with the horror franchise is that he's brought it to a next level. Uh, we talked a lot about um, elevated horror, which I'm not a fan of. Um, there's a snobbery to it. and well, well, I, I agree with you. But while there has, you know, I think the problem is more the term or people actually going for in quote marks elevated horror, and I hit the dream. Um, sorry, I hit the name drop here. But whenever um, we interviewed McGarris for Phantasmagoria, um, McGarris and you know myself and Ali and Con who were talking to him, um, discussed this, and just as we were, um, you've said actually that um, you know people who use the term elevated horror, it's almost because they're embarrassed of horror, so it has to be elevated horror, you know what I mean? It's There's a snobbery, essentially, about horror, you know? Exactly, and so, but what James Wan's done, he, he's, he's got a style of his own when he tells it, the Conjuring franchise, the Insidious franchise, the Annabelle franchise, all this whole universe he's created, whether you like it or not, um, his continuity and the style all stays the same. Um, and it's nice. Some of it doesn't work. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a fan of a lot of the stuff. I'll be the first one to admit it. But, God, when he, when it works, it works. We talked about Malignant. And you would talk about Malignant during we we talk about Megan because there's a lot of Malignant in Megan, especially how she moves. And uh, some of the camera styles that we got from Malignant. Well, I, I'm not a fan of a lot of James Wan stuff, especially all that Conjuring teen horror nonsense but uh, I mean Annabelle and all that um, rubbish however I have a certain respect for him you know wait but you told me you you can't say that with The Conjuring because you haven't seen them I've seen the first two and Annabelle okay. and The Nun well the Annabelle and The Nun I'm not talking about that's the uh, that's, you're right that's the outside the box stuff 
Yeah, but I've seen the first two Conjuring but films. The, 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 they're not T.D. Bopper. I, mean, they, I think they're a little darker than that. But let's piggyback on that, that comment. That's a perfect comment to make as we're about to talk about what happened with the editing of Annabelle. Mm-hmm. So I agree completely what they did, but I don't. So you mean with Megan, the editing of Megan? Yes. So yes. before we jump into the podcast with Megan, we're already seven minutes into this, but what the hell? <laughs> and so they they got together and they created this little killer robot lady chick, whatever it is, right? And the director, Parker Finn, kudos to Parker Finn. This was for one of his first outings. He said there's a lot more death in it, a lot more blood, and we'll we'll get to it. A lot of cutaways. Uh, but at the end of the day, Juan and Blumhouse, I felt that they wanted to go to a core teeny bopper audience. But at the end of the day, you're still going to get that audience, whether it has gore or not. So my theory is the reason they cut away from the gore and the violence of this one is they saw a smarter film here. As they watched it, and it is a smarter film. It's got. We'll talk about the characters and and the arcs. We talk a lot about in this podcast about arcs and what the film really does represent. And they, I think, they felt that the violence took away from that, so they didn't want it to be a standard slasher film. They wanted people to see more, of, more of you know, of a character study. I think there's a bit of both there. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't know for certain, but I think there's a bit of both um, true in what you're saying. Apparently, the I'm not on TikTok. But apparently, it's big with the kids, um, and you know, like the young um, sort of audience, you know, social media sort of subscribers. And apparently, whenever the trailer was released, the dance that Megan does proved to be it went viral basically, and it proved to be hugely popular with teenagers. Um, then they decided that they would tone it down because they knew it was going to be hugely popular with teenagers. The film. Um, so they basically toned it down. That's according to reports, but I think there could be a lot of truth in what you say because I agree, this is a clever film. Yeah, and I, I misspoke why it wasn't Parker Finn. Parker Finn did uh, Smile, that piece of crap. Mm-hmm. This was uh, Gerard Johnson. Yes. is one of his first outings. Um, but he, he made the comment, and he's hoping, and I'm sure Juan will do it. I can't see them not releasing an unrated version. I hope so. Because I really do want to see it. I want to see... I'm going to see both. Yeah, yeah well, I like cartoon gore, you know what I mean? I mean, there's nothing nasty about that type of, you know, gore. You know, the sort of stuff we got with Chucky and stuff. It, that's humorous to me. Or maybe I'm just a sick fuck. Who knows? <laughs> I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> so. <clears throat> oh, excuse me there. Excuse you. There you are. So we got, uh, yeah, let's, let's jump into it. So, Megan, $12 million to, twelve million only it costs to make this. Pretty impressive. Twelve million and it made one hundred and fifty worldwide. Fair play. And Megan two is already on being. Well, the great thing about Megan two point they're not rushing it. It's a couple of years away, so they're not gonna you know sell Good. out and do one in three months down the road. So we got Allison Williams who plays Gemma. We got Caddy, Celia the neighbor, Tess, Cole, David, Lydia, Kurt. There you go. Limited cast, which I like. Which, by the way, she does live in a neighborhood that has like pretty much one person in it. Yes, uh, yeah, I noticed that. Just the one next door neighbor, yeah. who's pretty annoying yes. with her dog. Yeah, Celia. What was the dog's mm-hmm. name? Dumbass? What was it called again? Oh, I don't know. All right. 
Doesn't last long though. Yeah. <laughs> so, where do we start? Well, it kind of it opens up with a fun commercial, the perpetual pets animal pet whatever it is and they're kind of ripping off back in the 90s this thing took off in the states i don't know if it took off over here but it was called the furby yes it, the, the, it was a thing here okay so the the furby adapts doesn't it just speaks gibberish but as you talk to it it learns language i didn't have one but i remember at the time that these things coming out oh they were huge like cabbage patch kids they were fucking yeah. huge and the money for them is you know it's just unheard of i had one Mm-hmm. Um, but it died off so quick. I mean, yeah, right, it was just a quick sort of fad. Yeah, right after Christmas is new. Um, I do like the co- the company that uh, Gemma works for. It's called Funky, which mm-hmm. they're kind of playing on Funko. You know, the pops company. Yes. Um, so I thought that was kind of neat. So Megan stands for Model Three Generative Android. I think that's what it means, right? Something like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not no fucking IT guy. <laughs> now, I like the intro. See, this one, I kind of stayed away from the trailer. Well, I saw a teaser trailer a couple of years ago, whatever it was. As you were still filming, those kind of trailers they put out. So I do, I did. Usually you can get the, the beginning, you know, you know, the parents are going to get it. I didn't see that coming. I didn't really just what the story was. Um, so... I was kind of thrown off guard, which I like when the introduction to the parents and she's playing with the little Furby thing and then the snowplow nails them. Uh, didn't see it coming because I thought this was more of the introduction to who the main characters were. Um, but that uh, yeah, was nice. Usually predictable and, and crappy. But I, And I got to say right now, I hate kids. We all know this. I make it on the podcast. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, lately on this podcast, the child actors that they've been casting in films have been pretty spot on, and this little kid nails it. She is brilliant in it. She steals the show. She does. Apart apart from the Megan. whatever it is, robot killer doll thing. The, um, the three actresses who played her. Yeah, well, yeah, plus a bit of CGI and sort of puppetry. Um, apart from her, the, the young actress who plays the little girl in it is fantastic. There's one scene in particular which we'll get to. Now... I talked about the beginning of the podcast here about what James Wan and Blumhouse saw. First, they were just doing a killer robot thing, you know, another Chucky. But they saw That's more. That's what I thought of straight away. Hear me, Chucky. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but they saw more out of it. Mm-hmm. So, and the whole film was pretty much the relationship between Gemma and Caddy. And the great thing about the setup of this, you have Caddy, who's just, a, you know, obviously going through a trauma right now. So she's a recluse, very quiet. Gemma is like me, doesn't want to be a parent, never ha- never wants to, just more work-minded only. And you can kind of see that tension. I mean, there's not much going on, especially with Megan, until 25 minutes into this. And I didn't mind that. Yeah. I kind of was kind of getting into these two characters a bit, which is usually I'm waiting for some killing. It's a good build-up. It's, it's a, like a restrained, almost mature build-up for the type of film that on paper it is. Yeah, and I think, I think, the 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 first twenty five minutes sets up Gemma and Caddy's relationship so well that when Megan takes over, comes in in twenty five minutes, the ramifications of Gemma's actions comes into play. I agree completely. It's very it's a very clever script. It is. It's tightly it's tightly tightly written. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, that's why I'm glad they're taking their time for the second for the second movie. Um, now I, the character of David, I think, is the best. Ca- I have a good time when he's on the screen. He's actually quite funny. He's such a douche, but he's funny douche. Yes. And I do like when he his whole argument is she's trying to create this new and better thing, like a Megan doll. Where David wants a cheaper version of the prototype, the of the uh, the what do you call it, the perpetual pet. They yeah, need a cheaper version to, to compete with money. The, yeah, well, he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. He needs to compete with the cheaper version of the perpetual pet that's coming out by Hasbro. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, did he say fuck Hasbro or something? <laughs> yeah, later on, or somebody says, you know, it's. It's something that's worth the effect of, you know, like, yeah, fuck Hasbro or something, you know, later on, you know. Now, whenever Megan's created. There's one thing that kind of bothered me. So when Caddy is at the house kind of adapting to the new environment, Allison, I know she's a reserved character, and I know she's more work-related. In fact, she's almost robotic. Mm Mm-hmm. I found her kind of emotionless when she finds out her sister died. She she's quite an emotionless, um, sort of, um, sort of egotistical, sort of self centered person anyway. But the character does go on a journey, and um, you know her own personal arc, and it's very well done and, and um, well well written. Um, but yes, she's emo- she's just completely career and focused and self centered. That's why she is not a natural mother. There's a nice shot, I and mean, I'll say this a lot through this podcast, there's a lot of nice shots in this film, and there are second shots, but but it builds a whole new dynamic in, from a simple little, like, I'll get, for, for example, um, Caddy's first night there. You have Gemma, who's working or whatever, and, but she goes back, she, she was, she was going to read her a bedtime story, and she goes, oh, I have to wait for the app to download, she doesn't have a book. Um, and then the scene ends, whatever. And but she comes back because you can hear Caddy crying through the door. So there and is a glimmer of yes, and that sort of shows that sets up later on whenever she becomes like a mother, you know, properly to the child. Um, it shows it that it's it's in her, it's deep within her, and it's just a matter of you know, it's it, it, she's finding it tough to get out that more sort of nurturing motherly side. Due to the fact that she's so work obsessed, yeah, and also shows the fact um, uh, Caddy's is what she's going through as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she too is kind of reserved. She won't show Gemma her feelings. She's, she's emotionless. She's traumatized. She's very quiet. But then when she lets her guard down, she doesn't realize that Gemma can hear her through the door. So these is two people that have their, their their guards up. There's also a lot of anger within the child as well. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that one, little mm-hmm. brat. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, we meet uh, the social worker. What an awkward scene. I mean, that's what, another great thing about this this film is some of the awkwardness you think would be with gore and violence. It's not. I just felt so bad where, well, first of all, they open up a good collectible toy. How dare they? Yeah, that was pretty. I must admit, as someone, when I watched this, as someone who is quite... OCD about things like that. I was uh, 100% on the side of Gemma. It was like, oh, fuck, don't open the good fucking... T- don't take it out of its case. I would have just know? told her, listen, we just got here. We just buried my sister and her mother. Give us a break. I got it. We still got to go to the store and grab some stuff. I'm not opening up that collectible. 
I have a bunch like, of that. Sh- I have a bunch of that yeah. crap. I'm not a Michael Myers glow in the dark pop for anybody. <laughs> Actually, if they saw my collection, the, the fucking lady would probably go, "You're you're getting out of here, kid." <laughs> this, this man has issues. Um, but it's, it was just it was a great scene though because a it was gonna be awkward anyway because these two don't really know each other and they have to play in front of the stranger, and then you throw one of her collectibles in the mix and that's frustrating her. So it just makes the scene full tension filled almost, and you and actually also feel you feel for sorry. a nice, nice another thing they put in here. A nice, and it's just a throwaway, but it was cool when you were introduced to Bruce, the the robot that she controls with the gloves. I didn't like this scene, and I'll tell you why. But go ahead, you go first. Well, it reminded me of Real Steel, um, but. I, I it was just a, a class project that she built this thing in, and it was kind of cool. And they just showed it, but you know how you you blatantly throw this thing in, and you know it's going to come back at the end. Exactly, and that's what pissed me. off. I didn't see that coming. Really? I, 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 I I'm the first one to admit. As soon as I seen it, I said, "Oh, Bruce is going to come back later on, save the day, or be involved in the finale in some way." It's totally being set up, and it was. I, you know, I I didn't see it. It got me. I usually would find that stuff like like you did, but I would I would have caught it, but I didn't. And I think it was because it was placed so like a throwaway, just to break the it was ice. Too obvious. Yes, and it was almost it broke the ice with Caddy, and it got her out of her cell a bit. So I was more focused on that rather than the character of Bruce. So I think that's the way I I took it, and I just threw it away. Didn't didn't even think about it. I don't have many issues with this film, but this is probably the biggest one that I do. Ah, uh, nah, I I liked it, but I just thought it was a bit lazy. See, I think quite the opposite. But you just you're just a jerk. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so, so May, let's move ahead here pretty quick. So Megan's introduced to Caddy, and the introduction is done in front of David, and David is now on board with Megan, saying this is fucking amazing. Yeah, um, pretty impressive. Now. Caddy's played by a little girl. No, Caddy, sorry. Of course Caddy's played by a little girl. <laughs> no, it's a stunt double. Um, <laughs> Megan is played by a little girl in some scenes, played by a stunt woman when she's doing all the running around and on her legs and stuff. That's actually a stunt woman. And then the voice is done by somebody else. And there's puppetry and CGI there as well. I don't think there's much CGI in this. Well, more puppetry. Uh, From what I've read, I mean... You might be right. I, I don't know. But... Who cares about all that? Because what makes Megan... It's not scary. It's creepy. It's yeah. the goddamn eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Those life... They're sort of lifeless, but at the same time, you know, there's something sinister going on behind them. Oh, you my know? God. Those eyes are, are just hypnotic. It's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk... Okay, well, perfect example when you really get the eyes where there's... As she's adapting, uh, pretty much, Gemma gets into an argument with Tess, her co-worker, saying, you do realize this this just shouldn't replace the parent. And Gemma wants that. She's like, yeah, great, perfect. But that's Gemma's downfall. She'll realize that because... At this point, yes. Yeah, um, yeah that too much control for Megan to have is a bad thing. But... It, I like the fact where, okay, the scene where she, Megan 
tells Caddy about tell me something. Well, remember when they're trying to yell all these bonding moments, and then they're trying to sell it to the uh, to the bigwigs. Yes. Right. And Caddy at this point's going ape shit. She's lost the plot. Megan has broken down. Gemma's trying to, you know, figure things out because Megan's taking too much control. She's actually afraid that she might be doing harm, which she has been. And the scene where Megan talks to kind of, this is when Megan, I'm trying to get the scene out, blah, blah, blah. When Megan tells Caddy, tell me a, a moment about your mother. And she tells her about a simple moment. And then she records her saying that, and she goes, now, right. "Now that'll be saved forever if you ever need it." She recorded it. <laughs> um, it's a great scene, but the audience, yeah, and the, yeah, everyone's crying, and Dave was like, "Yeah," but we're I gonna stick at the house, bro. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't tell if that was an act on Megan's part, but I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. No, no, Megan um, had the child's sort of best interests at heart. But too much so. So I think... No, no, I think Megan was genuine there. All right. And don't forget, Megan was still learning at this point and learning about death and humanity and all this sort of thing. So no, I think Megan's the most genuine character in the film. I mean, she's batshit fucking crazy. And, you know, <laughs> psychotic and murderous, but she's pure. Do you wow. know what I mean? Oh, yeah, okay. So Ted Bundy was a good man? No, he was... He was a fucking sociopath. The pr- the, the thing, <laughs> or um, you know, the thing. So what's Megan, Megan again? <laughs> Megan, Me- no, but Megan is just so, sort of seeing. She, she's like learning her her sort of murderous streak is learnt from a pure sort of a pure point of view. She's more protective than she is yeah. a murderer. Is, is what it is because anyone yes. who seems to attack Caddy, she goes after. Uh, yes, we'll start off with actually. It's not another great shot. Making and, herself a child, essentially. Uh, yeah, that's and that's I'm about to tell you. This is this scene kind of represent what you just said. So you have that dog scene where the stupid dog keeps coming through the fence. <laughs> and Megan goes to get the arrow, whatever it was. Yes. And the dog starts attacking Megan and ripping into the skull. Mm-hmm. It it looks like a child. But it's done so well where you're like, oh my god, that poor kid. Mm-hmm. You just don't realize that you know it's Megan, but at the same but time I, you're kind of getting into the character that you kind of felt for the you felt sorry for it. Oh yeah, but, but and also, but but from a sort of um, a, a learning point of view, an evolutionary point of view, Megan as a child as well. You know, she all right. She was created in, in a laboratory or not a laboratory in a sort of um, in a factory essentially. You know, on a computer um, through computers and stuff, but from a sort of from an evolutionary point of view, she's a child as well, learning about the world. But she's learning in a pure form and seeing humanity for what they really are. And she's to protect, protect, the, protect the child, and she will do anything to protect this child. Like when I, when Celia yells at when they when they say keep the goddamn dog away from blah blah blah, yes. and Celia yells at them, which would never happen. The, the neighbor would know my dog fucked up, but <laughs> she's just they get they got to make the character hateful. Mm-hmm. And once she calls out uh, Megan and her daughter, there's a the first scene she uses the eyes, where yeah. she's oh, you see her head over the fence and she just turns and she stares at her, and that's the neighbor and her dog's cards marked from that point. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, when you get the stare, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the, the line where the neighbors say, because she's a bit sort of, you know, a bit sort of old and sort of losing her marbles a bit and stuff. And she says, oh, oh your daughter and, and uh, or your, your niece and, and, and that other girl or friend. It's not really a girl, it's Megan. But she thinks it's a child, like a human child. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, has, the great thing about it, too, also, is it's, 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 it's in the details. So anytime Megan mimics somebody, it sounds like them, but it's robotic. So yes. it, 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 you can distinguish the difference between Megan and the actual voice mm-hmm. of somebody she's mimicking. Um, but, but it works quite well. Uh, now, <laughs> the, I, there's another good scene where they bring her, they bring her to the picnic. <laughs> oh, and the this is, this is, yeah. So you, there's a great shot where, okay, Megan's a prototype. She's not supposed to be out and about, but we'll, okay, Megan can sit with the other animals. And there's Megan who's sitting there. And you can, even though it's expressionless, you can just tell she's pissed because she's sitting there with a bunch of fucking teddy bears. <laughs> you know, it's brilliantly done. It's brilliantly realized because you can almost, um, you know, see her mind doing overtime, and you know she's fuck. She, you know she's pissed, and it's to do with the the way they've created these eyes. You know, <laughs> you know? It, it it is, and and then you see that little bastard. Um, <laughs> what's his name again? What's that little bastard's name? Oh, I forget his name, but he's basically like the the, the spoiled brat bully type. <clears throat> yeah, and she. No kid would treat anybody like this, by the way. Um, no, I mean kids can be kids can be little shits, and this is believable. I I, I accept that. Can I, t- I tell you better than that? Kids can be much worse than that wee boy. Well, I never seen it, but okay, fair enough. <laughs> You're probably one of the little bastards doing it too. No, 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 no. But I've seen kids behave uh, in much worse ways than this young lad does. Well, that's kind of creepy. That's and that's not saying that he got, that's fucking he creepy. What he got, like, but, yeah, he did. I hate kids. <laughs> so, so Brandon, that's his name, little bastard's name. So Brandon, yeah, there's a shot though, and I'm probably fucking reading it wrong, where Brandon is um, takes Megan, right, away from Caddy. Yes, and you see, he throws her to the ground, and he rips her shoe off, and he smacks her in the face. Again, it's going back to the dog scene. This was kind of brutal. Yes, it almost looks like he's. Beating and maybe even trying to rape a child. Yes, and I, know. I had it's that. Uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Well, he's a child himself, but yes, it's it's very it's, it's uncomfortable. But to be fair to the filmmakers, it's not in any way. I mean, they they, they, they don't go too far. No, and I think that's what worked. That's what I'm saying. Yes, that's my point. Where this is reason why they didn't need the violence. It's also they, it's also to set him up as in a way to justify his well his murder by Megan. I know in real life it wouldn't justify it, but it's also but it but uh, within the context of a fictional horror film, it's to make him le- it's to make him much less sympathetic. Let's just say. Oh God! When she tears his ear, that was so. Oh. Ju- oh. <laughs> and then uh, she fucks just, him out in the road. <laughs> yeah, and, and she just looks at him. Well, she technically didn't do it. Yeah, so was running away from her. She just looks at him, and they're looking at each other, and she just says, "This is the part where you run." <laughs> <laughs> Megan is um, so cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. And Megan's got this look, like the malignant thing, just yeah. playing on all fours and stuff. Yeah, um, that was really well done. It was cool. And then, obviously, yeah, he gets hit like by an the animal? car. I would love to see that scene where he got hit. Well, apparently that's probably in the sort of, if, if it's ever released, the sort of, um, the uncut version. 
Um, so when, when the cops are at the picnic area, right? Mm-hmm. There's another shot where all it is is Megan, and she's crouched down in the back seat of the car, and she's looking out the window. Yeah. Just, just contemplating what she's done. Yeah, she's looking, it, and she's looking at all the emotions yes. of all the people to see where she's at. Taking it all in. She's learning. Oh, so good. Because she's a child herself, and she's learning and learning. But obviously, she learns at a, at a much more accelerated rate than a normal child would. So when she kills Celia, mm-hmm. what's she kill her with? Power. I'm too sure. It was a power hose, but it was a. It, it, no, it was. No, it was a it liquid was, in the power hose. It was. There was chemicals in it. See, they needed to see a show more of that. Yeah, it, it's while it was an all right death, it was basically. Yeah, I wanted it to be, to be much more. I wanted it to be more violent and gory, uh, just for like not in a nasty way, but in a sort of fun, like comedic way. Um, like how Chucky kills everybody. It's, yes, you know, it's exactly. All tongue in cheek. I mean, because I mean, obviously, there's a lot of parallels here to Chucky. Um, so yes, I was looking. I mean, this. Is, I mean, Megan even looks like Bridey Chucky a bit, you know. Um, but it, you know, it still stands on its own two feet. It's a you know, it's a lot of fun. But um, yeah. Uh, this death could have been they could have went further with it, uh, but apart, I think there was some sort of chemicals or something in, in the hose pipe. Yeah, because she was doing some power washing or something earlier That's right, on on our driveway. Um, so this is where Gemma thinks she's doing something. That Megan's doing something, and <laughs> she's realized that her she can't access her videos because somebody's erasing them. <laughs> so she can't see what you know what we just saw. Yes. Um, so it's promotion day. You know they're they're having a big unveiling of Megan. That's right. And David's doing the they're doing the the promo commercial. Yeah. And and Caddy's in in the promo promo commercial. And this is what I'm talking about. It it, it has that tongue in cheek banter, kind of like RoboCop did with the with the uh-huh. satire That's exactly commercials. Exactly what I was thinking. RoboCop. When he goes, when Caddy's like, when I lost my parents, I had nobody. But thanks to Megan, blah blah blah, and David's thing is think about Megan, what Megan can do for kids all over the world, even the ones that don't have dead parents. <laughs> Such a darkly humorous line. I bust out laughing like, yeah, again, it goes back to that sort of satirical, you know, sort of lines that we were given in RoboCop and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> now, when and, and delivered in such a deadpan manner. When I know he's got that, he's got that. I'll buy that for a dollar kind of yeah, mentality. Yeah, because he's a bit of a dick anyway, and it sort of it fits his character. So when Gemma brings Tess and Cole, Megan, to go, Megan's up to something. We got to you know make sure you, you tie her up, yeah. whatever. There's a phone call that Tess is ha- that Tess is having a call with Megan, mm-hmm. but that call is never happening. That's actually Megan calling Gemma, pretending to be Tess. Pretending to be Tess, correct? She said, "Yes, she's hacked on the air." Megan has, um, through the internet that she's programmed with, um, you know, in her programming, has hacked into Tess's phone, and um, basically, uh, yeah, it, it's not really Tess talking; it's um, Megan imitating her voice. Got it. Okay, I, I thought it was on speakerphone, and no. Tess was having no. that conversation with her, and she was just overhearing it while she's tied up. No, no. Okay. but she was listening in the other stuff as well, um, Megan. And uh, don't forget the guy as well, the um, like um, David's assistant, um, who's Kurt. He's been, 
Yeah, he's been selling basically. He's been selling yes the yeah. company secrets off to other companies for the right price, which which will work well for a sequel. To be fair, yeah, this is the scene to piggyback on on Kurt, where I know I can respect what Juan and Blumhouse were doing by cutting back the gore, but I'm sorry, these are a couple of deaths coming up that we should have had something. Oh yeah, and first of all, you've got what is it, Cole. And test the assistance. Mm-hmm. They don't get hurt. They get away. You know, he almost gets strangled. They say at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. Now I thought one of them should have got it. Needs some kind of casualty. You need, needed some kind of a casualty here for a threat to pose to give Megan more of a threat. Yes, exactly. At least one of them. And then you have her taking the paper cutter. And going after obviously David. Now David was a great character. I thought his death was bland. Yeah, it's again it goes back to the. And you know what? If, if we're honest, maybe just maybe um, James Wan and um, Jason Bloom. Maybe the reason they sort of toned this down and, and they cut it to make a PG thirteen <laughs> was for money to make more money from it. And no, I don't. If think that's that... true, that's a bit of a sellout. No. They're not. I don't. I disagree I with that. A hundred percent. I disagree with that hundred because the movie only cost well, twelve not. million. They're going to make a lot of money on this, no matter what. Yeah. So, to save a few quid, no, I disagree well, with that. I don't know, but I just hope that's not the case. However, like yourself, this was one of my disappointments. I was wanting at this point. I want to see like Megan going full on badass. Yeah, when the chaos hits, that's what I'm talking about. I can get yes. away with the, the kid and the neighbor and the dog. Fine, the build up to it. Yeah, but the build up you need it, especially the two make the two kind of baddies. I guess you could say Kurt, especially Kurt. She makes it look like a suicide. Um, yeah, it, murder suicide because, because yeah. he was stealing the secrets. But again, I just thought it was wasted. I thought it would be better that uh, you see it, especially his character because he deserved it. Yes. Um. So, there's another nice shot when Gemma heads home, and there's Megan on the on the piano playing "Toy Soldiers" by Martika. Yeah, great song, Brilliant. great great song to play. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. also sings "Titan." You know what's really creepy? Megan singing, um, whenever she's singing like uh, sort of songs to the child before she goes to sleep, uh, but also whenever she sings that Sia song "Titanium," uh, that's super creepy. It is. I mean, it it plays well. I mean, she's creepy. Not scary, but just creepy. Yeah, absolutely. Unsettling. Yeah, yeah, unsettling would be a good word. Um, So, yeah, so the fight sequence, I did think uh, where her and Megan and Gemma are fighting, and Caddy's like, oh, we're just talking. Just, we don't want to see you like this. Yeah, go to bed. I think she would have came into the kitchen and gone, what the fuck's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see her kind of backing off like that. Um, but I do like the fight scene with them. Um, I do like the fact that every time she, Megan takes a hit, she gets weaker. I like the fact when she poured the water on her head, she got a little, you know, circus went off a little bit. I love what she does with the fucking, uh, uh, the, the heads trimmer. Yes. Whatever she becomes full on monster. It's yeah. Basically- she basically becomes like sort of... It looks like Chucky. Jason Voorhees meets yeah, yes. <laughs> Chucky. Yeah, meets Chucky, meets Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, and again, you, you caught it. I did not. I did. Caddy comes in. Now, I knew Caddy was going to stick up for Gemma. At this point, you thought, Megan thought, you you got to help me. We're besties, you know. But mm-hmm. Caddy has turned now where now Gemma's my... Can I just say, um, just go back a, a little bit, just to say that um, the scene that I referenced earlier on with the young actress playing Carrie, um, 
the scene where she completely loses it and attacks um, Gemma a couple of times actually there's once in the car and then later on at the big um, showing yes that it's child right. is brilliant in it, it. yes you're, you're talking about the scene where Lydia is wa- talking to her and she's losing it with Lydia and yes. Gemma comes in and she slaps Smacks Gemma her. Uh, but also there's a scene in the car where she yeah. wants um, yeah. Megan back and she starts kicking on stuff yeah that's really? why I hate, hate kids that's why I hate kids <laughs> little brat <laughs> yeah back to the big fight yeah, but I didn't see Bruce coming back. I was uh, thrown. I, I, I was like, cool. Off. Uh, I, I liked it. I didn't see it coming. I totally forgot it was coming. And I usually would catch that shit. Mm-hmm. I think they did a nice job of hiding it. Because if I didn't catch it, I'm pretty impressed. Um, okay. <laughs> right. oh, I'm, I am. I'm not trying to be kind. I just, I usually <laughs> catch this shit. Oh, we miss you. You missed your fancy pants over there. Oh, yeah. I knew this was coming uh, four <laughs> days before it even happened. Well, it did. It was, it was so predictable. I mean, it was so obvious that he was thrown in there at the start. For that reason? No. Uh, well, I do like when Bruce comes and just rips her shreds, just tears it in half. I was so, you know, I have to admit, um, in the final fight, again, I'm probably a bit warped. I was on Megan's side. I felt, I felt bad for Megan. Oh, my God. You're you're pathetic. <laughs> no, no. I you're like pathetic. Megan. I understood Megan. <laughs> um, yeah. That make, okay, that makes sense. Oh, let's be honest <laughs> now that you are literally a psychotic. <laughs> no, no. I just don't understand psychotics. I felt um, a bit sorry for Megan. She can help what she, the way she became. Um, I do like when she's still cut in half and she's still, you know, making yeah. her way. Uh, but it was good. I thought the fight scene was good. I thought it yeah, was, you know, station. it wasn't like five seconds, it's over. These two had a good brawl. Um, yeah, but it was good. I do think, to- and then Tess and Cole show up at the end. I thought that was, oh, come on. Yeah. Um, but uh, there you are. Megan. Yeah. I mean, obviously, killer dolls, films um, are a subgenre of horror that have been done for probably as long as horror's been going. Um, it's not the um, it's not the greatest film ever made, but you know what? It's a hell of a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it. That's that's it, right there. Last sentence you said, hell of a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it. Um, it's 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 got uh, you know, it's got flaws. There's no tension. Well, there's a bit of tension. Uh, I, I don't think there's, there's much tension. No, no, no. I don't think there's more. I don't think there's tension. It's just it's fun. enough. I would say um, it's creepy, but not not tension. Um, well, I take that back. There's the tension in in the boy Brandon. I thought that was pretty tense. There is some tension, but yeah, I think they. It's far and few between. Yeah. Um, when Caddy, you mentioned it when Caddy's losing it and slaps Gemma. That's pretty, mm-hmm. you know, intense. Uh, intense. Um, I do think it's well paced. I think the acting is spot on. Uh, these horror films are getting a lot better with their actors. We started off with, God, I'm not just in my Friday 13th, but come on, this is much better A-level oh, yeah. acting than what we, what we, what we, that we so much love in the old slasher films. Are you trying to say that this is better than Jason Takes Manhattan and Friday the 13th Part 3? <laughs> Anything is better than those two films. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's very well directed. Very well paced, well shot, good acting, um, some uh, great creepy moments. Megan's uh, brilliant. It's missing some of the some of the, my violence, but I'll give it a pass on that one. I do think uh, there should be more casualties, which I heard there is because it's it would, especially with Tess and Cole showing up at the house at the last minute. Um, so I'm dying to see a director's cut, and if it's a longer cut, we might go back and revisit this. Yeah, and compare the two, and we'll see which ones work. But at the end of the day, it's a solid film. 
yeah, it's solid. I, I, I would agree with that. Entertaining. And, you know, with so much crap out there in terms of modern cinema today, this was really refreshing. I just enjoyed it. It was just one of those popcorn-y type um, horror films where you can just sit back and enjoy it. Yep. That's it. Popcorn film. It's not going to change the world, but it's it's okay. pretty entertaining. A lot of Megans could be running around. I hope so. I bet you are, you <laughs> fucking freak. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this one. Um, we'll probably revisit James Wan down the road and Atomic Monster and Blumhouse. Actually, we probably will pretty quickly here. They've got a bunch of stuff coming out. Uh, but I'm looking forward to what they can do next. If you need to reach out to us, uh, feel free to get get a hold of us at Citizen Frame underscore podcast at Instagram and, of course, on Facebook. Um, if you want us to do a podcast, give us a shout on the pages on Facebook or on Instagram. We will certainly try to get your pick in as soon as we can. we got a busy summer ahead, so we'll try our best. The latest issue of Phantosium Goria will be out soon in a couple weeks, as we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, and you test it. Yep, I test it. Uh, but this one will be powerful, very powerful, because I'll be in it. And I think that's the reason to read it. All right, guys, we're going to wrap this one up. This one went a little longer. That's because I like to, I couldn't stop. That beginning was like 30 minutes long. And we ended up talking about DC Comics for most of it. I don't know what the fuck. I don't know. All right, guys, have a good one. Take care.